Has the story of your love life taken an unexpected plot twist? Well, this is the podcast that helps millennials rewrite the story of their love life by learning simple strategies for starting and maintaining a healthy relationship. Through candid and unscripted conversations, we provide tools to help navigate the twists and turns of dating and relationships. Are you ready to flip the script on your love life? If so, sit back, get comfortable, and enjoy another episode of the Love Unscripted Podcast. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Love Unscripted Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Wilson. And this is the podcast where we have unscripted conversations with millennials about relationships and dating. I hope you all are getting full swing into spring. The weather's getting warm. I'm seeing the bees are buzzing. The birds are chirping and it's getting really nice out. So I hope you all are able to take full advantage of being outside. But as we know, when spring comes, we know love is in the air is right around the corner. Uh, most people sound like they survived February and Valentine's Day, but now we're into a new season. The season is changing. We get a fresh start. The time already did its thing where it switched up on us. So now we have some consistency going into this spring season. So I just hope you all are doing well. If you missed last week's episode, let me tell you, you missed a good one. We were joined by motivational speaker Jeremy Anderson to talk about the responsibilities of marriage, what marriage is really about, and how we can really be mindful of how we treat our partners, how we do that, and why it's important that we treat them well with respect and dignity. So if you didn't, go ahead and pause this episode. I, it won't, I won't mind. It won't hurt my feelings. Pause this one. Go listen to that one so you can get those gems and nuggets. Also, if you have not already Remember, we have the love, excuse me, wake up in love relationship community where we have licensed doctors, psychiatrists, counselors, certified relationship coaches who share evidence based tools and strategies on how to really make relationships work, how to start and maintain them. And for the month of April, the theme is doing relationships on purpose. Wait till you see the flyer, wait till you see the guests and the professionals that we have coming to share in our community so that you can get the real tools. This isn't just gossip talk. This isn't just our experience. We, Like I said, we are getting licensed professionals. So if you're interested in joining a community where you can get real tools like that, go ahead on over to wakeupandlove.com and join the community. We meet every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And let me tell you, we've had three phenomenal months so far. So if you want that experience, if you really want change. Go ahead and look on my page and see the testimonials. Lives are being changed. And it's not just because we're doing it by accident. We're actually using evidence-based tools to make relationships work. So go ahead and head on over to there. But this episode is about the conversations. I know why you're here. And this week I have another phenomenal guest who's going to be joining us. Hold on. Let me go ahead and get them in here. All right. So guests, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. My name is Latoya Chithon, and I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. Um, I'm also a sex therapist, currently working on my PhD in sexology, so I can continue to bring the knowledge on how to improve your sex life. Oh, I love it. I love it. I got a soft spot 
for the marriage and family therapist. I know, I, like, I'm very biased. Like, I got love for the LPCs, the LCSWs, the LMHCs. Like, I love all of y'all, but I just got a soft spot for the MFTs. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I'm an mm -hmm. MFT. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. So we're going to have a couple questions to kind of get to know you before we get into this conversation. So the first question, what do you do when you need to disconnect, unplug, and recharge from the world? The world, In other words, what do you do for self-care? My favorite thing to do for self-care is yoga. I'm also a certified yoga therapist, or I'm sorry, a certified yoga instructor. And so um, I also really appreciate just going and taking my mind off of things by being able to just relax and breathe. Um, I feel like that's just so helpful. Um, and so that's something that I do for self-care and then going to the beach because there's no other place on earth that I love more than the beach. Oh, man. See, I I need to get back into yoga. There was a time where I was very consistent. Um, I started to notice the flexibility. Um, my breathing got much better. I felt like I was at a state of calm more often throughout the day. You know, the work we do as therapists, it can be very emotionally charging and things of that nature. But I noticed with yoga, uh, I felt a lot better, but I've fallen off that, that horse and I need to get back on it. I have no excuse now. I was getting warmer, you know, before I used to do it in the morning. I was like, man, it's too cold. I can't get out here and get on this mat. It's cold. But now that it's warm, I need to get it back out there in the beach. You don't even have to tell me nothing about that. My family's from Jamaica. We Caribbean. We love the ocean air. We love the sand. I love the feeling of the sun beating on me. You can't beat that. Exactly. So the second question I have, what comes to mind when you hear the word love? Mm. You know, love is something that I feel like in our culture, we use it in so many different ways. Uh, we love chocolate. You know, we love a certain type of cereal. Uh, but when you really think about what is love, I, I think of what is the relationship you have with another person? And that could be a family member. That could be a friend. That could be your partner. It could be your child. Um, love, I believe, is um, when you are able to show up for, the, for this person and um, give them your best and be there for them as they're giving you their best. It's a reciprocal situation. You know, where you're giving, but you're also receiving. And um, I just think that depending on the relationship, it just it looks so many different ways. But I think that those are probably the the basis of the, the word love when I think of it. Mm, I hear reciprocity in there, not one sided, but a give and take. But I like to look at it as two people giving and giving. Like that's, 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 it could be a beautiful thing. And I thank you for sharing that. And the reason I asked that question is because a lot of people get stuck in only one context of what love is. And many of us who grew up on Disney and saw the fairy tales, we have this idea of what it should be. And it gets stuck in that box. And if it deviates from that box, it can't possibly be love. Yeah. So being able to get other people's perspective on what love is, I think is going to help people expand their definition, their idea, their capacity for what love can be. So we're going to go ahead and jump straight into this conversation. I, I've been really excited to have this talk, and I'm glad I have you on here because this is right along your expertise. And yet I feel like this is a topic we don't really talk much about. 
Mm-hmm. And watch, I'm going to say a word and someone is either going to shift in their seat or their ears are going to perk up. Sex. Sex, 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 sex. My, <laughs> when I was in grad school in our sex therapy class, he said, say sex, just keep saying it. What has happened in our world today, a lot of businesses, a lot of media outlets have caught on that sex is a polarizing topic and idea. They put it in every type of commercial. They put it in TV shows. They use it to sell products. They use it to hook you, to get your attention. Even if that's not the main focus of the message or the show, they use sex as a way to hook you in and get you there. It is even going so far that parents are now even being concerned that sex is being used to hook and grasp their children, whether it's in TV shows, whether it's in books, whether it's being talked about at school, whatever it is, the world is using sex to grasp and get people's attention. So my first question, what is it about sex that is so appealing to humans that we are just drawn to it and can't seem to break our gaze from it when it's around. Yeah. Well, you know, that is human nature, right? I I was just having a conversation with a client the other day. She's a college student. And I was telling her that it is human nature to be physically drawn to another person who we're attracted to. So, you know, by nature, we were created as sexual beings. So we have a desire to go towards sex and to feel the connection, the affection, the love that comes along with sex. and so, you know, the the idea that the media is using it to try to to try to hook people in for them, that's pretty smart because sex sells. And it's a taboo topic that we're not really allowed to talk about. And I, and I want to use air quotes when I say allowed. Right. Because the the society definitely does not allow us to talk about it without feeling, uh, you know, without uh, making it seem as though it's something that should not be talked about something to be ashamed of, something to be afraid of. There's a very negative connotation when it relates to sex in our society. Mm -hmm. And you use the word natural. I like that. It it is natural to us. It's a form of connecting. And if you think about it, I almost look at sex as it's as natural to us as hunger. Mm -hmm. As hunger. There's a reason they do all these decorative burgers and all these types of food and all these uh food commercials and we know it doesn't really look like that when we get there but because our eyes are like fixated when we're hungry where's food and what looks like the best food we're just naturally drawn to it and like you said it's something that we don't talk about enough or as often so here's my next question why do you think it's so difficult for people to talk about sex Yeah, you know, this is actually, it's funny because this is my dissertation topic. So um, I I have a lot of information (laughs) because I've been doing a lot of research and reading. Um, You know, this idea of uh, the sexual uh, things, whether that be body parts or whether that be the act of actual sex, these are things that are not talked about in our society um, because there's a, a lot of shame attached to it. Uh, I would say that a lot of the shame does come from uh, being from religious backgrounds, but also I think it also just comes from uh, the fact that 50 years ago, people just didn't talk about certain things. There was a lot of privacy around certain topics and sex was one of those topics. And so what ends up happening is that generation after generation, this thought 
process gets passed down to where, um, you know, our parents didn't talk to us about it and their parents didn't talk to them about it. So being a child, even growing up and noticing that, huh, I notice that my parents shy away when we start to say something about a body part or when I say something about, oh, I like Billy, then they want to pull me to the side. You know, you're not allowed to talk about boys like that. And if you're just a little kid, what that tells you is that this is something to be ashamed of. This is something that you you can't talk about um, or else people are going to judge you. And that, unfortunately, is something that a lot of people carry. That shame gets carried throughout their lives at times, even into marriage. It's mm. very unfortunate. Right, right. Because I remember <laughs> my father having this roundabout way of trying to talk. Uh, we actually, he told me, oh, we're going to go play basketball. And I'm all hyping everything. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I noticed, yo, we passed the part. And then he goes, son, there's something I want to talk to you about. And it was the most uncomfortable for me. I could tell it was uncomfortable for him. But he, like, we fumbled through it. But it, it, a lot of people shy away from even having the conversation. My mom, being a registered nurse, was very much, here's a book, read it. <laughs> read this book. <laughs> Just If you have any questions, come ask me. She had that approach. But there are also people who don't have anybody to really tell them. And I'm certain to find that a lot of the way people learn about sex is from friends, <laughs> is from what they see on the Internet, what they get from someone outside of them. And sometimes that can be confusing because we live in a, a, a information era where anything and everything's available. So I just I just think that's really key that you said for so long it's been something that people don't talk about. But I think we need to start bringing it back up. And I try to encourage families talk to it as soon as your kids start having language and understanding, mm -hmm. like really say what the parts are so that when they're adults, they're not scared to say penis. They're not yeah. scared to say vagina, vulva, like they're not afraid to say those kind of things. And they can actually have conversations about sex in a healthy way. So going back to the hypersexuality uh, culture that we tend to have, young boys are taught that manhood is based on how many you, women you can sleep with, how many girls you can pick up. On the other hand, young ladies are taught that they must be pure and have as few sex partners as possible to maintain their innocence and their purity. And that makes them a better candidate, a better woman. What is it about these two extremes that can cause us to have unhealthy relationships with sex? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, the biggest thing that comes to mind for me is the fact that it's very, like you said, polarizing. And so one person's on one side, the other person's on the other side. And unfortunately, they're, they're kind of going up against each other. So that's the part that I feel like is uh, is the challenge is because it, it really does create division between the genders. It creates a, a division of, uh, you know, I have to protect myself from you versus I need to figure out how to get you in my bed. Right. And so what do I need to say to get you in the bed? And, and, and so it's just it becomes very much a um, us against them mentality, which is so unfortunate because we need to be working together. Um, now, I don't know the answer to how to work together. I think the answer, the, the biggest answer I can come up with is awareness. 
helping people to understand more about the scripts that are going on in their minds and the things that they've learned along the way and how that's impacting their, their life and their relationships and their dating and their sex, their sexual experiences. Mm-hmm. So how do we even like start the process of unlearning? Because this has been for many of us doing these things have been reinforced in positive ways. We have our uncles and our friends and our homeboys telling, man, good job when you do it. And then as a young lady, you have aunties and mamas and grandma and friends saying, good job just keeping that way. How do we start to unlearn these polarizing ideologies all the while they're being reinforced and being affirmed? Yeah. You know, the, the, the reality of it is that it's so important to recognize that each of us are on our own journey. So we have to do the work of getting the information for ourselves because everybody around us is always going to have an opinion. The media is going to have an opinion. Our family is going to have an opinion. But what are we going to feel most comfortable with? So I think that educating ourselves is where is the way to go, because if we can learn more about, huh, where do these shameful narratives come from? And, you know, where did what did my parents tell me about sex or what did they not say? And, and you know, what did I take from what their their nonverbal cues were related to sex? As we learn more about those things, it'll be easier for us to unlearn those things. But unfortunately, a lot of us are stuck in a space where we, we really do, as humans, sometimes get stuck in the space of, uh, well, you know, this is how it is. This is how it's always been. So let's just go ahead and I mean, I'm just going to let it be what it is. It doesn't have to stay that way. We can make the changes that we need to make in order to create a healthier relationship with sex. But it does start with us as individuals. Mm, I like that. I, and, and you know why I like that? Because if we're in control then there's something we can do to change it. Exactly. Because because with sex, I hear a lot of people who say, well, that's just how the dating market is. I'm just one person and I can't change it. When in reality, you don't necessarily have to change the dating market. You just have to control yourself and dictate what comes into your space, who you allow to have access to you, and what type of behaviors you're engaged in. Because part of what I see of cleaning up the dating pool is let's have less let's have less people adding negativity and toxicity into it. Like if each person stops doing like one toxic thing, then by default, there's less toxic behaviors, encounters in the pool. But if we think that I'm just one person, I can't possibly change anything, then we do ourselves a disservice and not recognizing the power that we have. And be able to say, you know what? I'm going to educate myself. I've been doing it this way for so long, mm -hmm. but I'm going to do something different. So yeah. with there not being much talk on sex education, I really don't see it. Mm -hmm. I <laughs> There's a lot I learned going through grad school that I did not know about sex. I'm mm -hmm. sitting here in class reading these books like, wait, that's what that's how arousal works. Wait, wait. Yes. That's how pleasure worked. Like I remember having these like moments where my mind was just blown and it was my job to learn it. But the average person isn't out there just seeking and finding or trying to learn about this thing. So what are some ways or what are some things that people can do to start learning about sex? Like what are some like some good 
sources or some good avenues or resources to start learning about it? Because as we know, there's a million and one different ways to get information. But from your perspective, what are some useful ways that people can get positive sex education? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's that's a, an interesting thing that you mentioned, the, the, the fact that there's not a lot of education out there. And, um, you know, the U.S. schools actually do a really poor job of providing sex education to students. Uh, I'm sure you guys all remember how it was. You know, they bring you in, you're about third grade, they separate the boys, they separate them from the girls, and then they just talk about a little bit about anatomy, not much, and then they kind of send everybody back to class. There's no real engagement about um, the things that you're talking about, pleasure, or, um, you know, there's not even a lot of information on STD prevention, things like that. And so as a result, the children in the U.S. are coming out of high school with so much less information than children mm -hmm. in other countries. Um, as I've been doing my research, just knowing that certain European countries, they actually start children with sex education from kindergarten. It's obviously not as elaborate or detailed as it would be for the high schoolers because they, they teach them in a um, gradual way. But they start with things like consent. How important is it for a five or six-year-old to understand that they can tell somebody, I don't like it if you touch me like that? Unfortunately, though, in the U.S., what the school system does instead is tries to avoid that and then push the purity culture and then say that, you know, abstinence is the only way to go. And the children, um, as a result, um, in our country are so many more times likely to end up pregnant or have much higher STD rates than other countries do. And it's just really unfortunate because we just don't have the sex education available. Um, so to answer your question. Sex education is something that, you know, we have to go after ourselves. The media's not the media's job is not to provide sex education for us. The media's job is to sell uh, to us, right? To, to get viewers, to get attention, to make money. That is their their role. And so it's so important for us to go to um, the the science of it, really. Going to books, looking at articles, reading on medical websites. Um, there's different, there's books that I would recommend. Uh, one book that comes to mind is called Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. That book is focused on um, the sexuality of women and learning more about the pleasure, learning more about um, the way that women's bodies function differently than men's bodies when it comes to sex. And um, it's a really good book. Um, there's podcasts out there. Um, there's a TV show on Netflix called Sex, Love and Goop. I think that's a really good show. Um, I, I just I think that there is healthy information out there that is straightforward and uh, and true and not for the purposes of media, but we just have to seek it out. Mm. Mm. I love it. I love it. Back to the personal responsibility. There is information out there. You have to be willing to seek it out. Take time to actually read it, watch it, and then apply it. Because just getting the information doesn't really do much. It's applied information that brings about change. I don't, I've been in plenty where we'll recommend a book or do homework and people don't do it. And they wonder, why is things not changing? Why, are, why am I in the same spot? Well, because for the past three weeks, you have <laughs> neglected to take your first step. And I think a lot of people is not to jump to the bedroom when we talk about sex is to get educated and know what is happening with my body. What does that mean when I feel this sensation? What can I request and what how can I use my voice as a way to advocate for myself? I don't think we do that enough. So all of us have 
something in our hand that is equivalent to a computer, a cell phone. Kids younger and younger are getting cell phones. Adults are getting older and older. I saw at Apple yesterday, they have a, I don't want to say it was elders, but everyone in there looked like they were much older, but they were teaching them how to use their smartphone, huh. a tutorial. So everybody has access to a cell phone now. Since we have access to a cell phone, we have now increased access to sexual messaging. So how, so when we're thinking about maybe someone maybe trying to break away from being so drawn or being so engulfed in sexual um, material so that they can have more healthy relationships with people that they are interested in or in their current relationship. What explain to the people what impact consuming a lot of sexual content or just sexual material can have on how you actually view sex? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it definitely skews our view, right? Because when you think about things like pornography, it's something that is, uh, it's scripted, right? It's it's this idea that there's there's two people or more, I guess, um, who are um, who are actors. So they're acting, they're getting paid, they're going and they have a, a full makeup team, right? They have a camera crew. And there's a lot of uh, a, a lot of things that go into preparing it to look the way that it looks when it comes out on the other end and we get to see it on our screens. And so unfortunately, a lot of uh, the youth growing up, that is where they are getting their idea of what sex is. They're getting it from what they see on the, um, the pornography and on the videos and things like that. So um, it's unfortunate because then they walk into the bedroom with a, a actual human woman. And it's a completely different experience. So what that does is it, it, it's the act of comparison, right? That's basically what media does a lot of too, is it puts us in a space where we're comparing ourselves to what we're seeing, um, whether that be the latest fashion model on Instagram or whether that be in pornography. We're comparing what we think it's supposed to be and that's setting up our expectations of ourselves and of others. So when we get into the bedroom, we're expecting that, you know, th this person's going to be able to bend in all the ways. We're expecting that this person's going to not have any any interesting smells or any interesting tastes. It's going to be amazing and everything's going to be beautiful, just like it is when I'm looking at the scripted films or videos that I'm watching. And that is not true. <laughs> so the the way that, you know, going back to the the unlearning aspect of it, it's recognizing this, right? Recognizing that this is not an actual view of what sex is. And then taking that extra step to learn more about, well, what is sex? What is it like to pleasure a woman? You know, um, th there's going to be, there's a lot of misconceptions about um, what sex is, is supposed to be like. And um, for example, one thing that I hear from people is, oh, well, you know, I should never have to use lubes. Why would I use lube? I'm not, you know, that's for older people or that's for people who are, whose, um, you know, vaginas aren't wet enough and stuff like that. How about it's a tool that could be helpful for anybody who feels like it's helpful for them. So taking away the judgment of what we're expecting, because expectations just lead to disappointments, especially if they're unspoken expectations. And don't get, let me get started on the fact that people do not talk about sex. I have couple after couple come into my office and say that they don't have any conversation about sex, not even with each other, because that's uncomfortable. And 
you know, if you are literally having sex with somebody, you should be able to talk about all aspects, all aspects of sex. <laughs> and if you are not, then that is, I'm sure, contributing to the problems that you guys are having. So that's the part that needs to be worked on first. How can you get to a point where you can have those kinds of conversations and say, hey, I like it when you do this. Or, you know what, I would like it if you don't do that anymore. I don't like the way that feels. Whatever comes to mind, how can you talk to the person who you're actually sleeping with about it? Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, the media, the information we're getting is very one directional. We cannot talk back to what we're seeing and ask questions, mm-hmm. which is completely opposite of how good. Well, I'll, I'll say good sex works. They say couples who have more who report having more fulfilling sexual encounters and experiences are talking at the beginning, middle and end. (laughs) Like it's a conversation as much as the physical part is. And when we're consuming stuff on TikTok and Instagram and, and on Twitter, we're just getting one directional messaging and we are not responding back. So it becomes very passive, which is what I'm seeing from a lot of fellas are tending to be more passive in their approach by not saying or talking about it. And it can, like you said, skew what the reality is. It changes our expectations. Mm -hmm. And what we don't want to happen is for other people to dictate what is safe, gratifying, what we want the sexual experience to be. And we can unintentionally give our power away by being just passive consumers of sexual material, content, and messaging, rather than, you know what, I'm going to take control and I'm going to dictate what happens in the bedroom, inside of it and out. So we're going to go ahead and transition into our last segment, which is the flip the script segment. And that's when our guest shares a simple tool or strategy to deal with a challenge or situation that we discussed in this episode. So you ready for your question? I am. Someone may be out there listening and saying, you know what? I have been taking in all of this material. We're in a hypersexualized world and I am just going with the flow. I haven't been responsible with how I'm taking in. I haven't been limiting myself the way I probably should. So what can someone do to not be so easily persuaded by the media's view on sex? Yeah. You know, I would say, what once again, remembering what the media's job is, right? I think that's a really big thing. Um, what what angle are they coming from? And remember, remembering that so that you don't fall into the trap of believing whatever it is that they want you to believe. Um, not comparing yourself to others, right? And that could be not comparing yourself to your friends and, oh, I bet their relationship is great. It seems like they have a great sex life. You don't know what's going on in their bedroom. Right. And so not comparing ourselves to them, not comparing ourselves to the women who are acting on the porn, not comparing ourselves to the Instagram people, the pages that we follow. We are all individuals and everybody is always dealing with something. And so it might look like everybody has everything, you know, together and you don't. But the reality is that we are all messed up and nobody has everything together. So trying to keep that in mind, I think, can be very helpful. Um. And then finally, I would just say being true to you. And the only way you can really be true to you is um, two things. Well, I guess they're both the same thing. It's looking at yourself from the inside and working on making your outside match your inside. Now, the only way that you're going to be able to do that is if you know yourself, 
right? So learning more about yourself, getting to know what you like. Um, you know, some people do this by masturbating. That's a way to get to know what you like, right? There's so many tools and resources out there. Um, I just mentioned a few of them, but reading some of those books, they're on Audible. You know, you don't have to sit and read the book. You can listen to it. There's podcasts available. There's a lot of resources out there that you can tap into in order to learn more about what you like for your pleasure. And then once you've identified that, communicating it to the person who you are who are in a relationship with or the person who you are engaging in sex with, being open and honest about what your needs are, because you deserve to have a good and pleasurable sex life as well. It's not all about trying to please the other person. It's about pleasing you, too. It's duly pleasure is where you want to go when it comes to sex. And so you do deserve that. Despite what you may have heard about the role of a woman for sex, for example, I know that I've been reading a lot about that in my research, that a lot of women grow up thinking that their role is to pleasure the man and it's not about them, but it is about you. It's about both of you who are involved in the sexual experience. So speaking up for yourself um, and, and going for what you want. And once again, first, you have to get to know yourself in order to really be able to do that. And there you have it. Yo, thank you for joining me this week. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. I'm always yes. down to come and talk about sex. Absolutely. <laughs> Please let everybody know where they can find you on social media and on the internet. Yes, so you can find me at the Couples Wellness Spot. I am on um, Instagram. I am on TikTok. I am on Facebook. So um, at the Couples Wellness Spot, you can also check out my website, thecoupleswellnessspot.com. I have some, some resources that you can actually purchase from me on the website, including um, a deck of cards that I created that um, does have a section on sex and how you can improve your sex life through um, conversational questions that are listed on the cards, as well as activities that you can do with your partner in order to improve your sex life. So check the out. Right. <laughs> hey, I like the card. I'm going to have to go over to the website, check it out. So I will have all of those tags, handled websites in the show note. So don't go trying to click and do it now. Wait till you get stopped. I know you're probably listening in your car. Love Unscripted does not pay for people's insurance premiums. I'm sorry. So you have to do that on your own time. So I just want to thank everybody for joining us this week. Please head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Podcast, comment, rate, subscribe. If you're in podcast land, please head on over to Love Unscripted HD on YouTube, where you can see the full video for this episode. Also, if you're looking for a community where you can get access to licensed doctors, therapists, sex therapists, psychiatrists, certified relationship coaches who provide evidence-based strategies and tools for starting and maintaining healthy relationships, Head on over to wakeupinlove.com and join us there. Hey, we may not have all the answers, but we will have the conversation. I'll see y'all next time. Peace.